right. So we put up a uh, fun question on social media today, which I, I know what you're going to say. So I'm actually going to ask. Well, that's unfair. That, is it? You're, you're treating me like you, you know <laughs> you know me before you even ask. I, well, I, I mean, at this point, I do. <laughs> <laughs> what Hi, everyone. Is, what, what, hello. What is... Hey, uh, hello out there, everybody. Welcome to the podcast. Uh, hey, uh, no, that, the question... That's, that's Michael, who thinks he knows me. That is... <laughs> I know my sheep, and mine know me. Uh, and the, and who am I? The question, your name is Father Herb. The question is, what do you remember most about your first communion day? Oh, you already know that one. I, well, that's, what I, <laughs> that's what I told you. But uh, I was going to share the story that I, over the weekend, in fact, I sent you a picture of it. Did you get it? Yes, I did. I, I pulled out the VHS. So this is, this is good. This is good. I don't have a VCR, but my mom does. It's the same VCR I remember that sat in her bedroom when I was a child. It's probably at least 300 years old. and uh, Give or take about 100, uh, 270. Yeah. So she brought over, she had to bring over the VCR for Mother's Day on Sunday and the VHS of my first Holy Communion at St. Jerome Church in Walbridge. All of this is in preparation for Audrey, our oldest, is making First Communion this weekend here at at john the 23rd so uh it was very fun to watch seeing you know i thought when i was in second grade all the parents were really old but they sure did look young on that vhs tape to me they just looked outdated the 90s were (laughs) the 90s were not kind to people um but I, i did a reading at my first communion the second reading from the book of exodus and so it was fun to share that with uh, what was the actual kids. date of your first Holy Communion? Ah, uh, that's a. It would have said it on the tape. It was in May. It was in May. The the norm for the majority of Catholic parishes across the country is the very first weekend of May. Once in a while, it's the last weekend of April. Almost without fail, they do they avoid the second Sunday of May because of Mother's Day. Because of Mother's Day. Now we we did three weeks in a row because we've broken broke it into three weeks sure they've three been groups. they've been great so far uh you know what i was most interested in actually was what was the music used at my first communion the opening song uh, sing to the mountains was sing it to really? the sea not that fast though it was painfully but, slow but that was the one we just did last week at I, a funeral it's yes. a closing song at the at the deceased person's spouse request yes i i remember do you do you want to know what the gospel acclamation was you might remember this one it was hallelujah it was but do you know which version it was sing hallelujah sing hallelujah sing hallelujah to the lord and then there's a little clap in there you know i don't thankfully i don't remember that one i, I don't think the 90s were kind of liturgy either looking back on it. well you know what we have to <laughs> laugh with it and not at it because, oh yeah because you know it's it's progressive You'll be, you already look back at some of the songs that we, oh, we sang here. Awful. I mean, the way you move, you probably are laughing at the songs we had two weeks ago. I am most of the time. Uh, but, the, you know, as a kid, though, I loved the clapping. And actually, in the homily, it was Father John Stites, a great pastor in yes, our diocese. Very good. And a big man. So you, you probably had to look up to him. He was. That's I just, the last time you looked up to a priest. Well, I'm still waiting for someone to come into my life. Uh, <laughs> he, um, I just re- have such fond memories of him as a child, and he would. This was back in the days he. Would you knew br- him as a child. Well, when no, I was you a were child, the child. I as was a child. child, you you have good memories that 
when you were the child and he was the pastor. Yeah, he would have whole classes over to the rectory for like juice and donuts during the school day. Now a whole class would be how many? Like twenty or twenty-five of us. Not and maybe hopefully a teacher or two to yeah to help corral. Yeah, yeah. It was just good. It, you know that's small town Catholic school. It, it's a, it's a neat experience. So anyway. We're excited for Audrey's First Communion this weekend, and it's been great celebrating with all of the children here at the parish, so we're looking forward to the... It, it really ha- has been a, a blessing having the smaller groups. You, g- you get to uh, visit with individual families before and after. Sure. Okay, so this week, we get to celebrate something special at Sunday, besides First Holy Communion at the uh, Sunday afternoon Mass. Sure. This weekend, we celebrate... Dun, da, da, dun. The Feast of the Ascension. Ascension. The Ascension of the Lord. <laughs> I think I, we made that sound really exciting. I, th- I think, yeah, it's called the Ascension of the Lord. Uh, and the it was always called Ascension Thursday because 40 days after Easter is always a Thursday. Yes. And a number of years ago now, maybe about 25 years ago, in the United States, the bishops, for most of the country, I, I don't think it's every single diocese, most of the country has moved the Feast of the Ascension to the following Sunday. Right. Now, it's always up to the bishops of a country to decide those things. So it was not like our bishops were renegades. But they, they chose to do it so that more people could celebrate when it was on a Thursday. The day often got overlooked by many, many people who were <laughs> simply <laughs> too not lazy, able to go to Mass. Too lazy to go to Mass. No, not don't, that, don't be so judgmental. <laughs> I, I'm here, so it, it doesn't matter to okay. me. Okay. So anyway, so the Feast of the Ascension is very exciting. To me, it's, it ranks way up there. It's not quite as important as the following weekend, which is Pentecost. It's going to be great. So the next two weeks are good. Yeah. Did we'll you, take the rest of the year off after that. Did you see what I put in the announcements this week? I did. I already sent it in. We're okay. wearing red. Not this not Sunday, this weekend, folks, no. but we're announcing this Sunday to tell people to wear red the following Sunday. Sure. So... Forget that I said that because that will confuse people. So we'll talk about <laughs> you, it next Tuesday. You're a week too. You're a week early. Yeah. Okay. Now the we also get back to the Gospel of Mark. Remember, this is the year of Mark. Right. But we've been reading from John and reading from John and reading from John and reading from John. But we get back to Mark for the end of the Gospel. Great. Now, the first reading from Acts of the Apostles is the beginning of Acts of the Apostles. So we go from the beginning of one book to the end of the other book. I think probably, you know, this this beginning, I mean, literally the very beginning, chapter 1, verse 1. Let's start at the very beginning. A very, a good, very good, place good place to, to start. start uh, is probably the best known part of Acts of the Apostles. Yes. I would dare say that. Well, because it's it's the, the actual account of the ascension. Right. And I love the line there. And I know we're going to read the gospel in a minute, but let me. It's uh, while the disciples were looking intently at the sky as Jesus was going up, suddenly two men dressed in white garments stood there beside them. They said, Men of Galilee, why are you standing looking up at the sky? This Jesus who has been taken up, uh, has been taken up from you into heaven will return in the same way as you've seen him going into heaven. So stop looking at the sky. I can almost see them like walking up and they're like, everybody's just looking up. Like, hey, what are you Have you ever at? done that? Have no. you ever walked along the street and no. stopped and started looking? You should do that. 
just to go, mess go with down, people? Go downtown Perrysburg, you know, the big city. Yeah. Go, go downtown where there's, well, we don't have skyscrapers. There's but, at least three-story buildings. But stand there and look up. And if you have a, 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 a friend kind of in cahoots with you, have them kind of walk along <laughs> and stop and look up as well. It would be bird watching. And I would guess I would guess how many other people are going to stop and look up. It's the influence of peer pressure. It's more than that. Nobody wants to be left out. They want to see what you're looking at. Yes. We should go do it together. And you could say it's part of that uh, that uh, space station that's collapsing into the Earth. Have you seen Have you seen the news? About oh, the that? the rocket. It's well. I think it wasn't it a space station that China was trying to build, and it's coming apart. Yeah, something along and those lines. Some of it. I thought it was a rocket. It's very large. Some of it, most of it, will be burned up, but they think some some segments might survive into our atmosphere. Fascinating. And land in downtown Perrysburg. You know, I think space exploration is incredible, but not one part of me ever thinks. You know, this Earth that is perfectly made for us to thrive and breathe and not float away in, I think I want to leave it and go somewhere else. No part of me says that. I, I often wish that I had been uh, alive about 100 years ago. Yeah. In the early 20th century, there was a lot of exploration, and it was not outer space. That's when they were really trying to find the, the so-called city of gold in South America. Mm. Uh, but lots of other attempts to find things that you know, there were always these legends and these rumors. They wanted to go up the, you know, it was Teddy Roosevelt who wanted to go up the, the river. What was the name of the river? I do not know. In Brazil. Uh, it'll come to me. Okay. Uh, the River of Doubt. Oh. The, I, yeah. How could I doubt that? I don't the know. The River of Doubt. But, you know, there were many things like that. It was a time of complete exploration. Uh, and, unfortunately, lots of people's lives were lost in the process. People never heard from again. So that's but it was a, an exciting time to. You know, if somebody started the podcast and walked out of the room and came back in, they're going to think that we made the association that Jesus went to space when he ascended. <laughs> You're the one who jumped to space. Okay, so okay, so let's read the gospel because it's not about Jesus going into space, or even into the heavens. There really are two aspects of the feast of uh, the ascension sure one is jesus returns to the right hand of the father the glory of heaven mm -hmm. and there's a lot of majesty connected with that and that's very exciting and we hear that in the psalm this weekend i love this is one of my favorites god mounts his throne to shouts of joy yeah a blare of trumpets for the lord you're gonna have a blare of trumpets we're not gonna have any trumpets okay just have the violin sound like a trumpet a blare of violins for the lord uh it's a great psalm though Okay, that's the first aspect of the ascension. The, the other one is Jesus is basically telling the people that he's leaving behind. Okay, folks, step up to the plate. Now it's your turn. Here comes the baton. Here, yep, he's passing it on to us. Don't drop it. So would you like to read the gospel reading? I would be honored. It's relatively short, so I'll let you read the entire thing. You're kind. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Mark. Jesus said to his disciples, Go into the whole world and proclaim the gospel to every creature. Whoever believes and is baptized will be saved. Whoever does not believe will be condemned. These signs will accompany those who believe. In my name they will drive out demons. They will speak new languages. They will pick up serpents with their hands. And if they drink any deadly thing, it will not harm them. 
They will lay hands on the sick, and they will recover. So then the Lord Jesus, after he spoke to them, was taken up into heaven and took his seat at the right hand of God. But they went forth and preached everywhere, while the Lord worked with them and confirmed the word through accompanying signs. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. Let's go find a snake. Okay, that's the part that we need to get out of the way real quickly. Oh, come on, it's the best Th- part. There are five, five parts here put together, five yeah. lines. One is, in my name, they will drive out demons. Oh, that's a good line, too. They will speak new languages. Do you know what, that, what is the, the, the official Greek term for speaking in tongues? No. It's called glossolalia. Say that again. Glossolalia. <laughs> I just wanted it, to make you do it again. <laughs> yes. It's, it's the, the word means speaking in tongues. The third one is, uh, the third of these three things, is uh, of five things, is uh, they'll pick up serpents with their hands. The fourth one, drink anything deadly and which will not harm them. And the fifth one is to lay hands on sick who will recover. Uh-huh. Now, the first one, drive out demons. The last one, laying hands on the sick who recover. That's not uncommon from the Gospels because when Jesus sent out the apostles, they, they talk about they were driving out demons. They were uh, healing the sick. Mm-hmm. Speaking new languages comes up frequently, especially in the city of Corinth. Paul writes about that quite a bit in his letters to, to the Corinthians. He talks about gifts of the Holy Spirit, and one of those is speaking in languages, the, gift, the gift of tongues. And we're very familiar with that from the Pentecost account also. In yes, Acts speaking in tongues. Now, again, uh, Paul actually played that down, that that was not a major gift, but it was one of them. Then we have these two very unusual things, handling serpents and drinking poison. Now, unfortunately, through the years, uh, people have highlighted those, and there have even been these small, little Christian denominations, especially maybe in the Bible Belt, who took this literally, and they were the snake handlers, and uh, often like, like rattles, rattlesnakes or I something. knew I was in the wrong church. You're in the right church, because we don't do that. <laughs> but... But the whole thing is not to get caught up in that literally. All five of these things are trying to say, with the power of the Holy Spirit, we rise above the normal course of events. Yeah. Normally, just by laying hands on somebody, I can't heal someone. I, I may be able to speak a foreign language if I really study it, but that's not what they're talking about here. This is the gift of uh, tongues. Yeah, Jesus didn't come up with, like, honor Spanish in, yeah, in the right. local high schools. Yeah. Uh, do you remember that there was an attempt a uh, 100 years ago, maybe, maybe not quite that long, maybe in the 30s and 40s, mm-hmm. to come up with a universal language? No. That w- there's already one. Did you know that? It's called music. Yeah, that's true, but I thought you were going to say mathematics because mathematics considers themselves the universal language. But there was an attempt uh, to come up with uh, a language. They've created it. It's still out there. You can study it. Um, I only listened to parts of it a little bit. It seems to have a little bit more Romance language approach to it, the the Spanish-French style, maybe Italian. 
but it was it was being really touted big, and they thought at one point it would become maybe not a language that everybody in the world would speak, yeah. but it would be like a common language. You know, it might be people's uh, second language or third language. It's a, it's a very interesting concept. I'm trying. Uh, my brain is not working right now. I'm trying to remember the name of that language. Wh- when was it? Uh, probably 1940s, 1950s. A universal language. By the way, everybody, if you're listening, he's the one wh- who's Googling, and and I'm I'm sitting here just with a notebook. You're just <laughs> filling time. Um, is was it called? Esperanto? That's it. Esperanto. It was created by the Polish ophthalmologist L.L. Zamenhof in Sure, you took that right out of my mouth. 1887 is the date that it says here on Google. Yeah, but I don't remember those dates. I I remembered early last century. Esperanto. Oh, wait. But in the 1950s, the Esperanto movement was tolerated again, so it must have had a resurgence. Okay, Okay, good. You, You made me feel better. Okay. Okay, so anyway, the real point here is Jesus is saying, I'm sending you out and you will have uh, the Holy Spirit with you with superhuman powers. Yes. In other words, you can, you can do more than you can do because of the Holy Spirit. So we don't take it literally that you have to handle snakes or drink poison. You know, we, don't, we know that's not a, a wise thing to do. I wouldn't do but that. we do trust that with the power of the Holy Spirit, things will happen. I have to tell you, as a priest, if I'm being humble, which happens once in a while, I still, if, I'm, still if I'm being humble, things happen way beyond what I am responsible for. And I'll give one quick example. I remember after a Mass, it was not here at this parish, a man came up to me, and he had been really agitated, and he said, Father, I just have to thank you. Because today in the homily, when you said this and this and this and this and this and this, that was exactly what I needed to hear, and I think I can go on now. I said, well, thank you. That's very kind of you. And he walked out, and I thought to myself, I never said this and this and this and this and this and this. I never said what he heard. Those specific words. I, I mean, I never said anything about what he, what he heard had nothing to do with my homily. Really? It, it w- must have been something that I said uh, created a, a thought po- pattern or process for him. Hmm. And so through the message, he heard through the Holy Spirit something that I was not saying. But it was what he needed to hear, and that was, that's the good news. Yeah. So there's, it's often bigger than we are. We have to admit that. And that's where clergy types, but other church people too, we get in trouble when we take ourselves too seriously. Like we are the best of whatever, you know. Sure. We we are the parish that's going to answer everybody's questions. No, uh, we are uh, the program that's going to resolve everybody's differences. No, uh, we hope that we're doing good things, and we pray that the Holy Spirit works through us and beyond us. But at the same time. It's the Holy Spirit that gives us courage to go out. So it says, so they went forth and preached everywhere while the Lord worked with them. Who went forth and preached? Those very unsophisticated fishermen, the, yeah. the, the non-theological, theologically trained disciples. Which Although is, they were trained somewhat, but not, they didn't have a degree. 
<laughs> it didn't exist back then. I don't think so. No, an STD. No, none of the uh, none of the uh, online colleges. STD were... is a d- doctorate in sacred theology. It's kind of like the epitome of degrees. The epitome of degrees in theology. In theology, of course. Um, yeah, and the gospel. The, what stuck out to me as I was reading it at the beginning. You know, we talked about kind of the qualifiers of of the serpents and the poison and all that. But it's very action-oriented. The first word in the quote is go. It's not sit or stay. It sounds like we're talking to dogs. Well, it's actually go into the whole world, proclaim the gospel to every creature. Yeah. Did you preach to your cat or dog when you were a kid? I never. I only had a guinea pig. A guinea pig, oh. But boy, did she know the gospel. Okay. She she was the only only person in the congregation when I played church. And you don't just... Tell the story. You proclaim, proclaim the gospel. Well, you know, we use that word regularly. You know, we don't say, well, we just, you know, you you read at Mass. You proclaim the first reading. You proclaim the second. Right. There's a big difference between reading and proclaiming. And I'm going to put you in the smoke. What is the difference? I think reading is just a, I mean, I can read words on a page just so that you can hear what's in front of me. But I think to truly proclaim something is it's like with every fiber of your being, you believe it to be true. I remember not not infrequently over the years hearing a lector at mass Mm -hmm. read almost as if they were taking their turn in a classroom. You know, maybe the teacher had different people reading part of the textbook, which is awful education, but sometimes they would do that. Yeah. And so somebody stood up and read their section. That's not proclaiming. No, that's just reading. All right, friends. Well, we'll see you this weekend for The Ascension, where you will hear the good news proclaimed to you, and you will be charged to go out into the world and do the same. I might want to stay away from the snakes, though. Amen.